genre. Previously on Immunities. Did you see that? See what? A light. It's gone now. Are you okay? I am feeling much better. I thank you for asking. And you yourself, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm fine. Or, uh, I was fine. They were winning, but something else was happening, too. Some people didn't change. We think maybe one person out of 2,000. And they tended to stick out. No, you don't understand. My husband is not my husband. Something happened to him while he was sleeping. Ma'am, please remain calm. Just give me your name and address and remain exactly where you are. Some Navy ships threatened to start nuking cities rather than let the lookers get them. So the lookers said that if we'd live in peace with them, then they'd stay where they were and leave everybody else alone. We have been contacted by an individual who claims to be an alpha immune, highly placed in the scientific intelligence network of the unaltered community. Infiltration, self-defense, hypnosis... They're turning you into quite a super soldier. The hypnosis is just so I can remember the Shelley dreams better. All for the cause. Speaking of the cause, did Nicole get away okay? <laughs> if you called jumping blindly into a black van okay, sure. <laughs> so, what's happening? I threw a fit. And I need to spend a couple hours walking it off. You don't seem that mad. I'm not. I faked it. I'm hoping my parents can't tell the difference. Why did you do that? Carrie Cray came to dinner. They're using my eyes to read spy novels now. I think it's the first time the other me has read fiction. They want to understand how a spy would think, what a spy would do. And they think that since the resistance is so improvised, some of you might be using spy novels to learn how to spy. It's weird and interesting. Having something actually enjoyable to read, and then to hear the other me transmit it to other lookers and see their reactions. Like being in a book club for robots. And there's another reason why they want to know about spies. A special one. They have a spy. A new hope. To catch me and maybe convert the rest of you. But they don't understand why this person acts the way they do. They're puzzled and threatened, and are trying not to talk about it so they can hide it from me. There's a restraint to what they say to each other now that wasn't there before. It makes me feel safer to not have them openly hating me all the time, but it also makes me sad that they can't be themselves anymore. It's like watching a beautiful poisonous flower as it wilts away and leaves a stunted, thorny weed behind. Still at it, I see. Yeah. This one's got some real developments, though. Yeah, I know, I read it. I'm just flipping you shit. Well, thanks for that. So, they're reacting to being observed now. Some serious Heisenberg uncertainty principle going on. Well, we knew it would happen, and getting paranoid about their communications has to be slowing them down. Slowing them down and making them meaner. They get too spooked, they might just crush us like a bug. We have to be careful not to push them too far. We're playing by the old Cold War rules here. Except this time, the only destruction that's assured is ours. Hmm. I hadn't really considered that. Let's think it through. 
If they just decide one day to wipe out all the immunes, absorb the overlooked, and just suck up whatever nukes we can still launch, where does that leave them? Hmm, in charge of a planet with nuclear winter coming on. But that'll pass, right? Do we know what kind of time frame they think in? As in, do they care if the current generation never gets to see the paradise they build? Well, there you get into the trickiness of community thinking. Each looker doesn't care that they themselves have to suffer through that, but they do care that the other lookers do. And nobody can lie to anyone and say, hey, it's fine, Hmm. because they don't lie and are constantly sharing thoughts when they look at each other. And where would that leave Shelley? And of course we're back to Shelley. If they smoke Roxanne, Shelley's a non-factor. If you're right about her only being in Roxanne's head. No, it's true whether I'm right or wrong. If human Shelley screams and no one can hear her, does she make a sound? Oh god, that's depressing. You started this hypo. Did you think it would end somewhere happy? I don't know. It's just... Okay, if I ask you something, can you keep it off the books? Sure. What? If you had to choose, either the war turns hot and the immunes are wiped out, or the lookers find a way to convert everyone, which would you go for? You know there can only be one acceptable answer to that question, right? You mean we have to say we'd choose war because otherwise they'll invade the overlooks? That's right. But if there's war, millions, tens of millions, maybe even hundreds of millions dead... Wait against losing the entire human race. The entire unaltered human race. Park that. The moment you talk about altered human lives having value, you've already lost, mentally. And that's not just the company line, it's the inescapable truth. They are the enemy. We have to work to defeat them. Their losses are our gains. But every one of them is holding a real human hostage. When you kill the looker, the real human dies, too. Those real humans are already dead. We have no evidence that a looker can be unaltered. Except for Shelley Scholl. Jesus! You are the only person on Earth who can make me wish I never heard of Shelley fucking Scholl! Did I dodge patrols for six hours just to hear somebody wish they'd never heard of Shelley Scholl? Nicole! Hey, Jim. Hello, courier. Nice to see you, analyst. Should I just curry my card back to looker country? There's a new Shelley Shoal report, but I guess you don't want to see it. No! I should call your bluff and see if you'd really just take it back. Martha, you are a smart, sexy woman, but you are shit at making me feel appreciated. Don't leave, Nicole. I appreciate you. You're great. I love you. Let's go out. Thanks, Jim. I'm otherwise inclined, but thanks. Pay no attention to Jim. He's falling in love with everyone. Can't blame the boy. Loneliness is a big problem these days. I'd make a play for you, Martha, but you've pissed me off. What about Ray? Ray would be a minor obstacle. Really? I'd find some way to buy him off. What, by letting him watch? Might could. I'm not sure that would work. Trust me. If I tried it, it would. Do I get to watch too? I don't know. What would it get me? Praise. Appreciation. Respect. (laughs) Bad bargain. You're giving me those already. Was he this much of a puppy back in the world, or is it just being cooped up here? I don't know. I guess he was kind of a teacher's pet. Were you a teacher? Teaching assistant. Biology 231. The politics of genetics. Section 3. Section 3. And how did you get here? Our professor had written about xenobiology, so he must have been on the list of people to call if aliens attack. 
He got a phone call telling him to leave the university, just get out of town and stay away from crowds. They'd contact him with a code phrase and tell him somewhere safe to go. We were in the office when he got the call, talking about Jim's research paper, so the prof told us to get in my car and pick him up. Where's your prof now? Does he run this place behind the scenes? Nope. They got him. His wife got him. We had split up. The prof went home, I got my car, and Jim bought supplies. I picked up Jim and then got a call from the prof. He stayed awake just long enough to tell me to get the hell out of Dodge. Saved my life, yawning the whole time, while the wife kept telling him to hang up the phone. And whoever contacted him got you out? Nope. We think they got taken too. We'd get calls and they'd give us a code phrase, but the professor never told us what the code phrase was, so we couldn't trust them. So we reasoned it out. Hello. This is Carrie Cray with a new public health announcement. The virus has had a very different impact from area to area. Viewers in the blue area marked with a B. We'd listen to the radio, and wherever they were telling people to go, we'd steer clear. And wherever they were telling people to leave, we'd go. Those in the green area marked with a G should leave your house as soon as possible. So in a way, we owe all of this to Carrie Cray. And to whoever made that first call. Are there others who got out like you did? No. We don't even know who made the call, who they worked for, anything, or what would have happened if we followed their instructions. We can't find anyone who got a call like that. But almost everyone with backgrounds like the profs ended up taken. So that's why you've got two grad students running the scientific intelligence department of what's become the most strategic region in the war. The war? We were just talking about how it's a cold war. Yeah, I get it. Spies and counter-spies? Sacrificing everything for the greater good? And good intentions gone wrong, ideology versus survival, and everybody wobbling on the edge of oblivion. Sounds like points on a syllabus. That was part of my job. Immunities, episode 2.2, Speculation. there. Justin, it's Carrie Cray. I'm here to ask you some questions. Oh. Hello, Mrs. Cray. They did not tell me to expect you. They keep this room in darkness? Generally, no. You see, the lights only switch off just before the door opens so that I don't make eye contact with my attendants. And that's because of the things you know? Yes. It is important that the things I know do not spread into the unity, where the outsider might see them. Outsider? Is that your term for the person I'm looking for? It was the word my contact used. Please, have a seat. Thank you. So, this contact, how did they get a message to you? Two weeks ago, there was an anonymous phone call made from an overlook to FBI headquarters. A digital voice told us of several phone numbers that the resistance was using to send coded messages to operatives in our territory. Some of the calls would be actual messages, others feigned messages, to confuse us and make it harder to break the code. The caller instructed us on identifying which calls contained a real message, the means to decode it, 
and of a second code, which the contact would plant in some of the misdirection calls. This way, we would not only be able to understand the resistance messages, but also messages from the contact, which the resistance would not even realize they were passing along. And you're the only one to read the decoded messages? I am the only one to decode them. I am the only one who knows the keys, although I thoroughly documented them in case anything happens to me. What could happen to you down here? Absolute security is impossible. And, in addition, none of us has been cut off from the rest indefinitely before. The effects of this are not certain. And all this is so the information doesn't get to the outsider? Yes. Wouldn't it be better if there was a team of you doing it? A team is unnecessary. There is a small enough volume of traffic that I can easily decode it all. I then write reports about the items I consider urgent and respond to written inquiries about the rest. But wouldn't it be good to have someone to talk to, to think with, and have your own smaller unity? I understand the benefits you describe, but the regret, knowing that the others were severed from the greater unity for my benefit, would overbalance any comfort I would gain from it. I suppose my situation is not so different from yours. If you could commune with one of us, at the cost of cutting them off from the unity, would you do so? I... I like to think I wouldn't, but I don't know if I'm that strong. Do not underrate yourself. I have been observing you for some time, and I think that you have a great deal of strength. Uh, thank you. I was one of the first members of the FBI Task Force on Immunity. On the first night, calls from immune people trying to raise alarm about the takeover were routed to me. I, I wasn't part of the takeover that first night. I was still thinking like an unaltered. I know. I took your phone call. My phone call? The one where you said that your husband was not your husband. Yes, I, I know. I know that's the one you mean. That, that was you? Yes. We were only beginning to understand immunity then. It saddened me greatly that you were in pain and that you could no longer accept your husband's love. I was sure that he still cared for you deeply. You have since reconciled, I understand. Yes. The next morning, right away. He forgave me for everything I said and did. Of course he did. And when you told him that you wanted to help, I was overjoyed that you were no longer so distressed, and that the determination I heard on the phone would be used for the unity, and not against it. As we became more organized, your case was no longer my responsibility, but I followed your career with interest, and... Now that I am no longer part of the Unity, watching your television programs has been important in making me feel like part of the community. One reason I do them is to make Alphas feel that way. We also hope that they'll sway the unaltered, of course, but many of them seem hostile to it. Well, I am pleased to inform you that your efforts are appreciated by someone. Thank you. So, you've told me how the messages get to you. How do you send responses back to the contact? 
Another code. Used in our radio broadcasts. We have set aside a half hour each night for such messages, although on most nights it is simply gibberish. Were those broadcasts being made before the contact? No. There was no reason to. Then won't that alert the resistance that you have an agent in this area? We're doing them in every media market throughout the world. We are hoping this will divert suspicion from this area. It will also be useful if a similar situation arises elsewhere. Wow. For the rare occasion when a higher capacity communication is needed, we can send a satellite signal with specifications given in the messages. The contact indicates that they have the ability to receive such a signal. Like a jerry-rigged version of the internet. I confess I miss the web sometimes. Both so I could communicate without having to ask altered people to send messages for me, and as a way to reach more viewers and get feedback from them. Restarting the internet would be far too dangerous. It would be a new battlefield in our war for information, and one where unaltered human instincts seem superior to our own. I didn't know that that last part. Necessity leads to invention. Those who do not need a thing will be less apt to improve it. Our alpha contact needed these procedures, and so developed them. I am not sure an altered could have done so as efficiently. And... This is the first time an Alpha has worked undercover from one of the Overlooks. I cannot say that definitively. But consider, even someone with Alpha genes would not become an Alpha until they made eye contact with one of us and then went to sleep. Therefore, an Alpha spy inside an Overlook would have to have encountered an altered person during the takeover and fled to the Overlook thereafter. Given the usual Alpha instinct for community... Few would choose to voluntarily move themselves into a predominantly unaltered society, so I believe the contact must have entered the Overlook after their first exposure, but while they were still thinking like an unaltered. Much like you, during the phone call. The governor told me that I would have insights because of my background. But that night, making that call, it's just a fog to me now. Serving the unity is so much more real. Yes, but at least you have not spent substantial time within the unity. That would make the fog even thicker. I have not seen the unity in weeks, but my experiences with it are a definite obstacle to remembering my unaltered way of thinking. So, what exactly does the contact want? Generally speaking... They want to know our plans for the future and our ability to carry them out. Why? They refuse to answer that. But my feeling is that there is someone unaltered, perhaps overlooked, perhaps immune, whom they care a great deal about, and they want to know how that person's life would be changed by our victory. But any Alpha would want someone they loved to become part of the Unity— the more they loved them, the more they would want that. Not all alphas look at things the same way. They all seem to want the unity for themselves, but how they feel about it for others can vary. And as to love, I find that differences are more qualitative than quantitative. If someone loves someone and wants them to stay the same, 
do they love more or less than someone who wants the object of their love to change? Both answers are possible. That way of thinking seems very strange to me. And even more so to me. When I awoke after seeing the light in the sky, sharing my new joy with my wife was by far my strongest desire. You're one of the thousand. Yes, I am. And out of the original observers, I was the most highly placed in the United States government. For that reason, I was, for a time, our leader. But, fortunately, others then joined who had more ability to perform in that role. Ah, I see. So, they want to know about our victory. In what sense? In terms of the organization of society, projects for the future, biology? All three of those, explicitly. You have described them almost exactly as the contact did. All of these would be valuable things for the Resistance to know. Indeed. But I have become quite convinced that the contact is sincere. In addition to such matters as tone, the information we have decoded has been borne out in reality, allowing us to monitor Resistance activities much more closely than before, and, in a few select cases, intervene. I was present for the interception of Wanda Hallbrook. Did the contact tell you about her? No. We had not received our first message at that time. The contact was not even aware of the outsider then. Why didn't they share information before they learned about the outsider? Unknown. Perhaps the existence of the outsider spurred the contact into action, creating a reaction of repugnance, fear, or hope. They will not say what their motive was. But my operating theory is that this was the first time the contact felt that our eventual victory was threatened. And is it? If I am wrong, and there is no Alpha Beta, and this is all a resistance hoax, then the information they could gain might in some way disrupt our timetable, but unity will prevail. If I am right and the Alpha Beta is real and active and we cannot find it, it would force us to adapt to prevent it from poisoning us. The only way for us to prevail might be by splintering the Unity ourselves, some more prevalent version of what has been done with me and is also done with our research teams. This would create divergences which might or might not be reversible once victory is achieved. So our choice would be between defeat or a victory that cost us much of what we are. Therefore, I would suggest that you ignore the possibility of a hoax and focus on what it will take to make the contact reveal the identity of the Alpha Beta. Any information you request will be provided. And if the contact doesn't like the answers I give? To our way of thinking, that would be an insoluble puzzle. But to yours... That is another valuable contribution you can give. If you can anticipate the answer that would please them, you can see to it that that is the answer they get. I could lie. Yes. But it would have to be the lie they want to hear, and to be a plausible one. The contact appears to be extremely intelligent and already in the business of sifting out the truth. I curse my immunity every day that I wake up. 
look into my husband's eyes and can't read his thoughts. There was a light behind his eyes that first night. It frightened me so much. But now that it's gone, I wish every day that I could see it again. But it is fortunate to the cause that you cannot. Yes. You've cut yourself off voluntarily. Well, for me, it's biological. But I am still glad that it serves the cause. Perhaps while you are in this area, you can visit me from time to time. And we can help each other. Be the team you imagined. And also, perhaps, make each other less lonely. I would be honored. Thank you so much. Your thanks are unnecessary. Oh, I'm sorry. As is your apology. Mom? Just coming down, dear. Oh, hi. Are you going out? Your father and I will be meeting with some people. We thought it best that we not do so in the house. Yeah. I'm sorry about yesterday. I wanted to apologize when I got back, but everyone was in bed already. Apology accepted. You know, I can tell when you're still mad. Please don't keep it bottled up. Let me have it. I am not angry, Roxanne. I am disappointed. And I am... regretful that as you go through life, opportunities for enrichment may be closed to you by your inability to control your behavior. But... Okay, you're right. I'll do better if something like this happens again, I promise. You won't have to be ashamed of me. It is not a matter of shame, Roxanne. It is a matter of practicality. When you are like you were yesterday, nothing can be done in your presence. Well, I think I can handle it now. It was just so unexpected that I'd ever be face to face with her. Why was she here anyway? I cannot tell you about that. If it's stuff you can't tell me about, how can you expect me to be okay with it? You have made your feelings about the work I do plain. Well, I've been rethinking that. This whole thing shook me up and made me wonder why I'm doing what I'm doing. Maybe I deliberately took the most pointless job I could find to punish everyone for changing. Or myself for not changing. Are you saying you now wish to work in the liaison office? Well, maybe I could learn more about it. I never really let you get into details before. No, you did not. I just need to know, if I did this, would there be extra rules? Would I still be able to see Dom? Uh, Dominic. Well, there would be additional rules, but of course you could still see your friends. We would not be much of a liaison office if we cut people off from each other. Okay, then keep talking. Sell me. 
The logic of it should sell itself, now that you are giving it a chance. You what? Okay, yeah, I knew this would take a minute to get used to. It might take a lifetime, which may not be very long, dealing with this girl. You told me to trust my instincts. This is the only way. Please explain that to me. They're already onto the fact that there's an AB. Carrie Cray is sniffing around. We need someone to keep tabs on that, on whatever they're keeping out of the link. I'm the only one with an in. But you also happen to be the one they're looking for. You just put all our eggs into a single basket. No, they were already in my basket. I'm just trying to hatch them. Well, I hope you are better with deception than you are with metaphor. Because you are putting yourself right next to an expert in the lying business. One who is at the risk of repeating myself. Specifically looking for you. Yes, I understand. Oh my... All right. And what about your training? She says I can still see Dom. I'll keep going out, sometimes sneaking out, and I'll make sure I'm on my own before I come here. Well, it's done now. Going backwards would only make it worse. And that last person to doubt you is still recovering from getting a bullet in his arm. But nothing is ever simple with you, is it? Nope. Never is. Ask anybody. You've been listening to Immunities, episode 2.2, Speculation, written and directed by Bob J. Kester. It featured Michelle Lamone as Roxanne Scholl, Rachel Krieger as Shelley Scholl, Stacey Tappan as Carrie Cray, Wesley James as Justin, Alex Molnar as Martha Waters, Eric Simon as Jim Loretto, Courtney Abbott as Nicole, Catherine Dennis as Sylvia Scholl, and Carla Joseph as Ensign Teresa Brewster. Immunities was recorded by Stephen Moore. Claire Hain and Lisa Cohen assisted in development and production. The music includes the compositions P.A.G., Moving On, W.T.D.L.R.W.L.H., Kogda, and Samoan by Ars Sonor. That's two words, A-R-S-S-O-N-O-R. You can find more of her music at freemusicarchive.org. Special effects are from the freesound.org collection. Other development assistance was provided by Dueling Genre Productions, Don Al-Safi, River Hardrick, and G-Mart Comics. The Immunity series image is Conformity by Fraun Fraun. That's all one word, F-R-A-U-N, F-R-A-U-N. The episode image is What Remains Simone by Kevin Raleigh, a.k.a. Kevissimo. That's K-E-V-I-S-S-I-M-O. You can find other artwork by both of them on Instagram and DeviantArt. Immunities was recorded at Delmark Records' Riverside Studio in Chicago, Illinois. For more information, including a complete list of sound effects used, check out our website at immunitiesdrama.com. Immunities is copyright 2017 by Bob J. Kester. All rights reserved. This is Bob J. Kester. I hope you'll join us for episode 2.3, Visitation. Until then, you can support Immunities by reviewing us at Apple Podcasts, making a small donation using the digital tip jar at our website, following Immunities Drama on Twitter, and liking Immunities on Facebook. You can also get news that way and see what your fellow fans are saying. You can also visit the Dueling Genre website and check out the many podcasts there, including numerous Movies by Minute podcasts that look at movies one minute at a time, and our fellow audio drama, Geek by Night.
genre.